2C2. Another week. What's good, guys? You were in my dream last night. That's what's good. <laughs> I, I literally... You know what's funny? Two nights ago... Like, I don't even know what time it was because I was so exhausted. I'd come off a red eye, kind of made it through the day, whatever. And like Andrea, at one point in the middle of the night, is just like cracking up hysterically. And I, I like vaguely remember her briefly explaining to me she was laughing in her dream and then it made her start laughing in real life, whatever, right? So then last night, and this was more towards the morning, like I wake up and I'm just laughing. And she's like, what's going on with you now? And... I had this dream. You and me were guests on a podcast, okay? And it was this dude, I don't even know. I think his first name was Dave. He was a made-up person. He wasn't a real person. And uh, and then he had a co-host who we were like more cool with. And the Dave guy kind of felt like very frat boy and Barstoolers. Yeah, like had a little bit of that feel. And like he basically did this whole intro before we came on. And it was almost as if he was saying like, and like, I don't know why I'm talking to these people. Basically like, and I was just like, well, you know, Dave, it's good to be on, but kind of doesn't sound like you want us here. And he just said nothing. And I was just like, all right, we're going to go. And you just like, you you took your headphones and you just like dropped them like with a head shake, like, yeah, Rooks, yeah. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> like we're out. And like, we just like got off the podcast and you quick called me and you were just like, yeah, cuz that's how you do it. And like, and, and then I woke up. It's <laughs> uh, great. Yeah. So. Great. I mean, that, that sounds like some, some shit I would do, you know, <laughs> <laughs> or you would do. If we're ever a guest on a podcast where it doesn't feel like we're actually welcome, now we have our playbook. Now, now we got the out. Yeah, exactly. Now we got the out. Um, see, we're going to talk with Kenny Smith in a moment. He, uh, he's, you know, such an interesting listen. Um, and uh, his book, Talk of Champions, uh, stories of the people who made me. It's it's great. He dedicates a chapter to all these different really sports luminaries and then important figures in his life who made him who he is. And, and it's, it's a fascinating book and it's an awesome listen. And I could not recommend the podcast more highly. He really gives us great insights of, uh, you know, the inside the NBA show on TNT and the dynamic with him and Shaq and Chuck and Ernie. Um, and see, I guess, you know, just starting there for a moment, the Celtics get off the mat. They win game four. Does it feel like maybe they could make this interesting now? You know what's crazy is that, uh, you know, I think everybody is on this train where, like, the Celtics won a game, so now it's like, oh, they could, they could get it back because everybody feels like they have the better roster, right? And everybody picked them, and they were the better team coming into the series. So any little heartbeat or any little life that you see out of them, you want to pick them, but – just the way that this shit has played out and just watching Jimmy and the way Spo has coached these guys, it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be hard for them to, to beat them four times in a row after, after being down 3-0. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, that was a huge win in Miami right there. That was huge. I and mean, then getting back to Boston, I think anything can happen. But man, it's, it's going to be hard for me to see Miami losing four in a row. It could happen. You know what I mean? Boston's the better team. We, We've said that the whole time, and, and everybody's been picking them to go to the finals. So 
you know, have to wait and see. But I just don't see them. I don't see Miami losing four straight, bro. So what's interesting about it is NBA teams are 150 and 0 yeah. when leading 3 0 series. But if you think about it, to your point, C, in probably all of those cases, the team that went up 3 0 was the better team. Was very clearly the better team, yeah. right? And I think that we look at the composition of both of these rosters, and by and large, people are going to say, well, the Heat are on an incredible run. They certainly underperformed in the regular season and are closer to what they are now than what they were in the regular season. But Boston is still the more complete roster. Boston is still the more talented team. Usually in the NBA, the more talented team wins a seven-game series. So it's interesting, see, because we just don't usually see the more talented team fall behind 3-0 in a series. It just rarely happens. And that's why I'm sitting here thinking if they can win game five at home, look out. Because now the pressure's really on Miami yeah. as they go home for game six. Going home for game six, if, if it's 3-2, then Miami's got all the pressure on them to, to not have it go back to Boston. So, yeah, I mean, if, if, if they can win game five, if Boston can pull out game five, it, it's going to be tough. It's going to be like it was last night. It's going to be a tough game to, to be able to pull it out. But if they can do that, then I think they'll have a chance, man. But, it, like, it's – I mean, Jimmy and Spo and what they've been able to put together the last couple of weeks, like I said, it's just going to be hard for me to see them lose four times in a row. The other part of it is Boston – so the argument for Boston I would make is what we just talked about with how talented they are and then also saying – that I think one of the biggest issues they've had in this series is it seemed like Jimmy Butler snatched their soul. Yeah. They they look like a lifeless team. There certainly was some question about whether or not there was connectivity with the head coach and his message getting through. And they got off the mat. And so if their spirit is in some way rekindled, then why can't they access their talent and win the series? Right? That would be the argument for them. Mm -hmm. The argument against them would be, hold on a second. Miami's just in the position now that they've been in all playoffs where all of a sudden people are doubting them or they have to do something they're not expected to do. And that would be go win game five in Boston, which, by the way, they've already won two games there. Oh, and also the Celtics have been a terrible home team in these in playoffs. The playoffs. Yeah. 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 So I actually there is a part of me, see, that thinks the Celtics could actually pull this off. They could be the one. But. Then I think, you know what? No. Miami's going to win game five in Boston. That's it, kind crazy. of where I end up landing. It's crazy how fast we get off Miami, too, right? Like, everybody's yes. like, they've been playing great, and Jimmy Butler, and Jimmy Butler this, Jimmy Butler that, and they lose one game after <laughs> being up 3-0. And everybody's like, oh, shit, we knew it. Like, they're fake. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just yes. it's crazy how much the shit has shifted after – one loss in, in a series where they're up 3-0. Yes. It's what happened with the Yankees and Red Sox. And we know baseball and basketball are so different as sports. But what happened with the Yankees and Red Sox in 04, that not that I want to bring up this memory or most of our audience wants to hear it, but that could you could make an argument for the psychological similarities is Yankees had dominated that series, right? They had one game three they'd absolutely smash them in game three. 19 to eight was the score. And it looked like a no doubt about it sweep. 
they're winning a tight game in game four and have all the psychological advantage because they've gotten the big hit once again, et cetera, et cetera. And the Red Sox get off the mat within that game Mm-hmm. and find a way to win. And of course, the Celtics were all using the same phrasing that Kevin Millar famously used with, don't let us win tonight. We heard Marcus Martin, Jalen Brown saying that publicly before game four, don't let us win tonight. And so you could say, hold on a second, this team not only was on the brink of elimination in the series, but within game four, they were on the brink because Miami was dominating the Celtics in game mm-hmm. four and they got off the mat. And that would make you believe, okay, even if they got down in game five, they have that to pull from, just like the Red Sox did. Remember, they were down in game five and came back again. So I that's the part where I can I could start to believe it. See, it's the psychological component. But then I also think the Celtics have shown warts throughout these playoffs in every series that I didn't expect them to have. And and at some point is that going to catch up with them? Yeah, no, like you said, they have. And in every series, they've they've shown you know, a weak spot where they where, where you know, during the regular season, it, it didn't really pop up that much. And, yeah. you know, you, you didn't see these glaring, you know, whatever it is, whatever ward it is, you didn't see these glaring spots during the regular season. So it's odd to see it during the playoffs, like them being a terrible home playoff team. Like that's just a weird thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes, yes. a lot of weird shit going on with them this playoff. Yes. Uh, sticking with hoops for a moment. See Carmelo Anthony officially retiring. Did you get to know Melo uh, a little bit during his time in New York? Yeah, I know Melo really well. You know, um, he's really close with one of my one of my best friends, Sean Pecker. So we met through Peck a long time ago when Melo first got here. So um, yeah, I mean, I spent a lot of time with him. Excited for him in, in retirement. Um, you know, congratulations! Excited for him and and just uh, you know a hell of a career, top ten and and scoring. I think he's got the most points in Olympic history of all time. So. Um, you know, that crazy one run with Syracuse, like it's crazy. So, uh, it's good to see him, uh, be able to go out on his own terms. What kind of dude is Melo? See, Melo's a good dude, man. Melo's awesome. He's always fun to be around. He's always in a good mood. Um, always cracking jokes, man. Like I've never been around him where we weren't, you know, um, not talking shit about people, but just, you know, bagging on people. So, um, we, we always have a lot of fun together. I feel like he... He was so underappreciated during his time with the Knicks, what he was contributing, right? Because it was like, oh, he can't he can't get over the hump. He's not making people better or whatever. He doesn't play defense. But the reality is, like, Melo didn't have the right things around him. Melo, it, Melo was let down by not having the other things around him with the Knicks. He didn't let anyone down. And yeah, I, I, I definitely, yeah, you're right. I mean, I wish him and Amari would have had more time, yeah, you know, together, I guess. Well, because Amari hurt his back, I think it was, yeah, like right around when, the time when, when, when Melo got came, there. Amari was on fire, though, remember? Yes, yes. He oh, was, yeah. He had been killing me, but I think he had made, made the All Star team, I think, two years in a row or a year or whatever. And then Melo got there, and everybody thought, you know, that they were going to be able to put something together, those two. And then I think Amari ended up getting hurt. Yeah. And and look, if you want to say like, oh, part of the reason they didn't have more to put around him was because Melo couldn't wait to free agency and force his way out at the deadline. And they traded all those assets to Denver, et cetera, et cetera, which I believe one of the pick swaps became Jamal Murray, interestingly enough. Um, but I. Oh, could, damn. Yeah, 
Really? Yeah, oh, I'm pretty that's, sure. Yeah. That's kind of fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you can make that argument, but the bottom line is I, I do think like people focus too much on the parts of Melo's game that weren't great and not enough on the parts of his game that were all time great when he was with the Knicks. Because this guy, this guy is he is an all-time NBA scorer. And see, I love to tell this story. People would always ask me, and I brought this up before on the pod, what is it like sitting courtside? Who stands out to you more than others? And there are a couple guys who you see forever, you watch on TV, you know how good they are, and you watch them courtside and you just feel a little differently about. And like sometimes you're like, oh, okay, like maybe not as dominant. Other times you're like, whoa, I thought he was good, but damn. Mello was the first dude who I watched courtside calling games, who I was like, whoa, I thought he was good, but oh my gosh, he's quick, he's big, he's so much harder to stop than I ever appreciated. Like, this guy is such a singular offensive force, and when we think about him, I hope we think first and foremost about that, how how truly dominant he was offensively. Yeah, you know what's, what's crazy? When I think about, like, people don't think about Melo as being, like, fast or whatever. But his footwork was incredible. Like, he can get off on anybody at any time because of the way his feet work. Yes, 100%. And that is, that is exactly what I what I noticed sitting there, see. So hey, I, I, am, watched, I, I heard something interesting the other day about yeah. Melo, too, which was crazy. And I thought about this, like, who retires his jersey? I know, I know. I think the Knicks do. The Knicks have to because Yoke yeah. is 15. Yeah, and, and my guess is... Denver might, um, but they might just like do it like both retire both their jerseys. Like let Jokic keep wearing it, and then when Jokic is done, retire it for Melo and retire it for Jokic. I, I, I'm not with that if I'm Melo. Like, no, no. Nah, like, all know. right. Well then, well then you just lose out because Jokic is obviously the better player. So then you just lose out. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm that's saying? That's okay. Man? Yeah, like I, I don't, I don't want to wait until he's done and to get my number retired. Like that, hey, that's fine. If De- that's fine, and look, Denver can always say like, look, this guy forced his way out of town. Like, you know, but the, but the Knicks retire his jersey, right? I think the Knicks do. I think the Knicks do. He spent seven seasons with the Knicks. You know, of course, I mean the the I'm coming home video for his first home game is still one of my all time favorite NBA moments. It was just. Kudos to the Garden uh, in-house staff because they just crushed that. Their in-house production, um, like I think so. See, he, you know, like he was, he was an All-Star. Let me just think: one, two, three, four, five, six times with the Knicks. I think six like, out of seven years. Yeah, he had to. To me. He should get his jersey retired, and he should always come back to the Garden as a conquering hero. Yes, he didn't achieve the ultimate prize. That was mostly not his fault, and he should be celebrated for what he brought. Because the one thing, like Melo, always made his teams playoff teams, and as you know, the Garden learned in the years after Melo, that's not something you always want to take for granted. You know, yeah, so yeah, no I, I, I think he should be retired. Um, see. We're going to get to Kenny Smith here in a minute, but just a couple more things real quick. Uh, our good luck on the pod continues. Devin Haney beats Lomachenko uh, after uh, after being on the pod with us. So if you didn't hear Devin Haney on with us just before his fight with Lomachenko, go back and listen. He's 30-0 and now. 
And then Glaber Torres, if you guys didn't listen to the Glaber episode from a couple of weeks ago, go back and listen because we talked with Glaber at a time where the Yankees were struggling still. And it's really interesting insight into how they got out of it. And now, see, they're playing really good baseball again. Yeah, they've been locked in. They've been playing really well. Judge has been on fire. Um, Ridiculous, man. I mean, he's been on fire. So, um, you know, having him back and healthy, um, you know, hopefully getting Big G back here pretty soon, um, you know, get them back on the right track. You know, we have to see what Rondon is, is going to do. But I went and seen Seve down in double A. He looked really good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's coming together. I think it's, it's better than last year because we started off so hot last year and then faded. So maybe this year, you know, they, they start off a little slower and get hot throughout the summer and keep that going. Amen. That sounds uh, sounds like a plan. It's amazing how much better the offense is with Judge back. And also Bader, who's been good. And, you know, you had guys who are really struggling, one of which is a, is a friend of the pod, and I know a good friend of yours, someone who I really enjoy, Aaron Hicks. And see, I know he had a tough go with the fans the last couple of years, but I just I do want to say this. Like Aaron Hicks was the author of some amazing Yankee moments. And what's crazy to think about, dude, he spent parts of eight seasons here. I didn't realize it was that long. Yeah. Like he was the longest tenured position player before he was DF8. Eight yeah. seasons. And you think about his home runoff Verlander in the playoffs. Think about his catch in Minnesota, which I was wearing the shirt earlier uh, that I got to call. Also, just being one of the most accessible, good dudes in the clubhouse. Just a great guy. Um, and see, even though things soured over the last couple of years, I don't want that to obscure that he still had some really memorable moments with the Yankees. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough thing. You know, obviously, I've talked to him a bunch, um, you know, and, and, you know, we're just trying to get, hopefully get him a good spot where, you know, he can play some good baseball. Um, yeah, eight years with the Yankees, he had some good moments. He had some tough moments. You know, it's, it's, it's a part of being a Yankee. So, um, you know, hopefully now he can just go somewhere where he can play, relax, and, and uh, just enjoy the game. I hope Aaron finds that home because I do still think, you know, with a change of scenery, that could spark something good. Um, and, and I will be rooting hard for him. See, it's time to chat with our guests. Kenny Smith has a new book out uh, that I, I think people will really, really enjoy called Talk of Champions. Each chapter is dedicated to different people who influence his life. There's a chapter on, on Charles Barkley, Michael Jordan, Shaq. It's really good. And the conversation with Kenny is just awesome. So without further ado, here's Kenny Smith on our 2 c you know, I, I just, I think we need to start here, see. Sometimes you talk to people and they have a book coming out and you're interested in talking to them. So, you know, the book is fine. And then other times, you actually are really excited about the book as well. And Kenny Smith's book, Talk of Champions, Stories of the People Who Made Me, like this is... Just the concept itself is awesome. And then Kenny is awesome. So we get a, a, a double bagger today. We get to talk to Kenny Smith, and we're actually pumped about his book. So, Kenny, thank <laughs> you for being here, and congratulations on your book, man. Man, I'm excited. You know, I, I, I didn't know that it, I would have this type of excitement. But, you know, when you, when you kind of go online and you go, you look up books and your name, like, pops up first, like, it's like, whoa, like... <laughs> <laughs> you, you played it like, like I, I know, like you guys. You see, you guys played in 
and we play games and uh, not in front of millions of people, but to like go online and see your name first on a book thing is like, whoa, it's real. It's like the world's going to know my story. <laughs> now, how many so drafts? it's a lot of fun, man, and I'm excited about how many drafts of the book did you have to do? Because I know like, you know, telling the stories or having an editor, how many times did you go over it or or rewrite certain chapters? You know what the funny thing is? So 85 to 85% of the book I actually wrote. And I wrote it on planes, like on plane rides. And then I wow. had a great editor with Andy. Uh, you know, he would just edit it. And, and how we did it, he never wanted to change anything. He said, he would only ask, well, you said this. I think you should elaborate on that. And then then I'll understand. And he's like, okay, now I understand it better. Now, as a reader, I would know it better. And he'd show me how to kind of put that and contrive that together. And he was great in that. But you know, I didn't I didn't do like 20 drafts because it was it was really, you know, the book is about. You know, it's a tell-all book, and I scared Charles and and, and Shaq with that. I'm like, I got a tell-all book coming. <laughs> so like, what? But it's about it's about all the great things I learned from y'all, and I learned from all the great people that are around me. So each chapter is named after a person, instead of uh, like chapter one, two, three. There's Dean Smith, there's Bill Russell, there's Shaq, there's Charles, Michael Jordan, Kobe, like things I learned from these people. By either watching them or being uh, someone being part of my life, um, and you know what, I, and I think uh, you guys you probably can figure this out. Some say might have the same feeling. As I was writing it, I took for granted the people that was around me. I thought that was normal that everyone had it. Like mm -hmm. everyone, everyone has a Bill Bill Russell. Everyone has Dean Smith access. And I was like, man, I started writing a book, and, and my editor goes. You know, everyone that's in your chapter has a book written about them. <laughs> like, these are the people I talk to every day. I, I talk to them every day. Like it, it was, it's amazing the things you can learn. And I wish I'd have known it at 20 years old. And uh, you know, so I want to give that information to the world. Mm. You know, I, I don't want to uh, spoil uh, what's in the book because I want people to read it but sort of along those lines kenny was there anything you realized when writing the book about what made someone chapter worthy to you well my parents you know it all started there and i and i and i start to realize why i think the way i think as well is because they taught me to be a good listener first we always want to have our opinion and get it out and want to tell people how we feel but I think being a great listener, what taught me from them was how to be empathetic, but not always sympathetic. So like, mm. I understand why you might feel that way, even though I disagree with you. Mm. So, you know what? I understand why you might feel a way about, you know, I'll put it in a, a simple analogy. Like for, for Shaq, I'm a, he has a reverence to military and law enforcement based on his upbringing. Mm -hmm. And I don't have that growing up in Queens, New York. Like, mm -hmm. we don't have that same reverence. But I have to have empathy because it made him who he is. It, it straightened him out. It, it put him on a straight path to be shot because he was going in another direction until that military background and that police background straightened him out. For me, I have a totally different viewpoint. So I have to be empathetic for that whenever we're talking in like social issues. And go okay, okay, yeah, he, he's gonna 
feel that way because I have to have empathy for them, even though I disagree. So yeah. being a good listener is what I, I've learned from them, which really allowed me to meet the people I met. You know, I, I think um, if there was a family feud answer for <laughs> what is the greatest studio sports show of all time, I'm pretty sure 100% of the polled audience would come back with you're inside the NBA and what you and Charles and Ernie and Shaq do. It's amazing. As someone who, you know, broadcasts the NBA and who, you know, was work works in TV, me, my colleagues, all of us were always like, gosh, there's just magic on that set. It's amazing to behold whether you're a TV insider or you're, you know, a layman watching everybody connects. If there's obviously a lot that goes into it, Kenny, but for you guys to be this good, this popular, this vibrant, this long, what's the secret sauce for your show? Oh, our and, and it start with our production producers and, and directors because it, it, how simple it may sound, it's very difficult to do. You have to have producers produce, directors direct, and talent be talent because a lot of times, you know. You don't have to know everything that the talent is about to say, and I don't need to know everything the producer is going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to trust each other. And you, a lot of shows, when I've been on, you go, you, we all get 15 seconds to talk, and if we only got a minute to do this segment. But if I'm not going to – often I'll, I'll do this, man. I'll rip up my notes on what this dude just said. I'm like, no, he can't say that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, forget what I was about to say. But I'm not going to let that slide. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, it and and, I, and we they, we all do it to each other. So the notes in front of you that you kind of put, man, I'm going to get this point out about Joel Embiid. And then Charles just goes, yeah, you know what? James Harden is, man, I love his output. It's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Can't let it go. Like, no, but Charles, you're 50, you're 59 years old, 60 years old. Of course you shouldn't like that outfit. So I'm not going to just let it go, and we never get to talk about James shooting the three. <laughs> you know what's, what's great is you can tell that you guys are not, like, it's not pre-produced. Like, you can tell that Shaq is reacting to whatever Charles is saying or Chuck is reacting to whatever you're saying. Like, it's not something that you guys talk about before the show. It's actually, like, happening on the show, and that's what I love about it. It's like natural reactions and you can tell the relationship between you guys it's a genuine and real one like it's it's a, it's such a great show I, I belly laugh at that show three or four times a night man it's 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 such a great like the chemistry there is is is, is incredible <laughs> but see, see it never stops though like you like most people think like we doing that and then it's like okay cut and then no it continues through the green room, through the makeup chair, through the locker room when we're getting dressed. So what happens that most people don't know is the conversation that you have you hear on air is really the last conversation that was in the green room as we walked out. <laughs> so whatever was being said is gonna make it because it was where we stopped the conversation. The conversation is all night long and so it's never like oh we're talking about this now we've been in the back arguing or laughing about whatever we're bringing out to the show for the last 30 minutes and now you just 
Now you just jumped in the middle of that conversation. That's how it works all the time. There's never a point where we just make up something. We, Because nothing could be that funny that fast. building up to make everyone get to that point. Yeah. But the producers do such a great job, too, because the illustrations, like, if something happens, then, like, before the commercial break, then we see, like, a photo or somebody's tweeting or, like, you know, it's it's something. It's it, it it all coincides, man. It's it's awesome because they're part of the jokes. <laughs> no, they're part of the jokes too. They know what's going on because they they come down to the green room. They sit. They're hearing everything that we're saying. They're part of it. The like honestly, the one come some of our best shows without question are the conversations that we have with the makeup ladies, the. Uh, the guys upstairs in audio, and we bring it to the show because they'll they'll do surveys and be like wait they'll come come down and go wait a minute we're arguing about Beyonce or or whomever as a singer and it'll and then all of a sudden you know Shaq could be like oh Kenny sounds like Beyonce and he, we bring it to the, and the whole <laughs> it's like these inside jokes <laughs> they're bringing to the table. And that's what makes it, to me, that's what makes the show is when we bring the conversations from our, everyone in our staff, literally the person who is cleaning the set has, their conversation has made it to the show. That it, <laughs> I've never been on television and that's happened other than what That is awesome. And you can feel that you can, that's all authentic and you can, you can feel that from you guys. How about what's your your relationship like Kenny with with all you guys off air like in the off season are are you constantly checking in with each other is it hey you know i'll see you in october what's the relationship like as far as the you know friendships go amongst you <laughs> uh, well Shaq's always on a world tour so you know, he's probably <laughs> he's the, actually he's the hardest and the easiest. he's the hardest and the easiest to catch meaning like you're like okay where's Shaq and you don't you don't know. And then you'll just land in the city and you'll get an alert. Shaq is performing at blah blah blah. <laughs> and you just show up and he, he's gonna like, oh, he's here. like he's he's like, you don't know where he is, but then you know where he is. Charles is the like the conversation always starts like that. He he FaceTimes you. Like he always he's gonna just FaceTime. You. And he and you and, and then if you don't answer, he texts you. Mofo, why aren't you answering my FaceTime? So, <laughs> so like, so he's always FaceTime. He's gonna face. Once you, if you're in the bathtub, he wants you to FaceTime. Like, like, why don't you pick up? Like, I'm in. The, I'm, in the I'm not picking up. And then Ernie is more of the cerebral, as you would imagine. Ernie's gonna send you such the thoughtful note. Hey. Just thinking about you, brother. I hope <laughs> well, here's a quote that I was saw at church. <laughs> like, <laughs> like oh, and I hope you're living your life well. How's the kids? And Charles is cursing you out every five minutes. And, and Shaq is just on a world tour. And it, or he'll be like, hey, I'm doing this show like on Mars. Do you wanna do you wanna get on a spaceship with me? <laughs> like, that's 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 Shaq. So that's our relationship. <laughs> It's perfect because that's exactly how it feels on air for the show too. So it, it seems like it plays out exactly the same way off air with your guys' relationship. Man. Kenny, you, you've um, 
You've obviously uh, seen the show grow in popularity through the years where it's this staple of pop culture now, you know, even beyond sports. Is there for you a memorable or funny celebrity interaction when it comes to inside the NBA or somebody coming up to you and being like, hey, I I watch all the time or I love this that uh, that stands out to you through the years? Yeah, there's actually two, one on air and one out. Our favorite guy to bring on is um is um Kevin Hart because he 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 you know he's never off. He's always on. Always on. And like he he's never gonna like he's never he's always like looking for that next big joke to make you uncomfortable. So like we but the the, the issue with us is we don't get uncomfortable. Like you can make fun <laughs> of us about anything. We're not really that uncomfortable about like everything that you're gonna say about us that's funny, we probably know that's a, about us anyway. So it's like you can you wanna make fun of my knees the way I run to the board. Like I know I have knocked knees. I'm like, who cares? Like you're not. It's funny. So I'm waiting to see how you can make that. Into a joke. And 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 that's you know those are I think he's our favorite to like have on air. The most interesting though, I was at a dinner, and I walk in and it was right after COVID. And I have a good friend. He's actually in the book, Guy Oseri. And he's like, he manages the biggest people in, the, in, yeah. in music and everyone. And like from King to Madonna to like everyone you could, Alicia Keys, you know, everyone you could imagine. And he's having his dinner, man. And, I'm, and it's only like 12 people there. And this guy's got this mask on. And I'm like, who is this? He looks from, and it's Leonardo DiCaprio. And I never met him. So I'm thinking like, he doesn't know who I am. The whole dinner, he never says anything to me. There's only 12 people at the table. Never says one word. And then right at the end of the dinner, he goes, Kenny. And I go, yeah. And he said, no, 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 no. I, I know it's you. I'm like, he's like, I noticed that you're running better to the board. Like, what did you do for your knees? My knees are killing me. I'm like, oh my God. He right to the big board, man. Like, that's the coolest moment I ever had. Like, yeah, that is like, amazing. Oh, I got this trainer, man. I'm going to give you his number. I get, so I get I get him the trainer's number to help us with his knee. He's like, I got this knee pain that's killing me, man. Oh my gosh, that is amazing, oh, Leo DiCaprio. Good. That is awesome, Kenny. Oh, that is fantastic, Kenny. You know, you also, I, I mean, you you see the way the game has evolved, and you were a guy who could really hit the three at a time, you know before it was extraordinarily popular. I think the most threes you attempted per game later in your career, you got up to about four threes per game, which at that That's time crazy. was a, a lot, you know? And, oh, and, yeah. and at, that, at that time, it's a lot, right? <laughs> How many threes per game is Kenny Smith taking if he's playing in 2023? Uh, I would say anywhere between 10 to 12 Yeah, per yeah. game um, because I would probably think three a quarter. Like, I'm like, I'm trying to get three up a quarter. Um, and so, you know, yeah, I, I just think that when I would take with the thing, crazy thing, and when I was taking four, I'd have to come into the locker room and explain why I took the four. <laughs> like, like, hey, especially if I was like, I was like, hey, you know, I just feel good. I felt good. So, you know, I had to explain it to guys. Like, when now, if you didn't take take the three or four, 
you'd have to explain why you're not shooting. Yeah. And which is a different mentality. So, you know, because we didn't look at it as a numerical, oh, if you make three out of 10, you have to make, you know, that's nine points. So you have to make four, you know, 50% even as a two point shooter, like the calculations weren't thought of like that. Um, because guys were like, no, I can make seven out of 10 of these twos. So no, you better pass me the damn ball. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, but now the calculation, shoot it. So, oh my gosh, I I, I was born in the wrong era. Mm. I always talk to Reggie Miller about it. If, if, if we, if we had, if they redid our 87 draft, Reggie Miller would be one and I'd be two. Yeah. Like we'd be, we'd be the first and second picks of the draft. You know, where David Robinson would probably be five. We're like, you don't mm. need, you go rim running, just dunk it. Like, you know, and set some picks, big guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because we actually talked with Reggie about that. And he joked, he said he, he was, he was using his parents' names in vain saying, you guys, <laughs> you, you had me in the wrong decade. I'm a, I'm a $40 million a year oh player God. now. Mom, like, oh, man, could you have waited 10 years? Your <laughs> mom, could you have waited 10 years? Man? Reggie be putting up 18 threes a game right now. 18 for sure. Oh, he, would, <laughs> he, he, would be, he would take the same amount as Steph Curry, whatever Steph yeah. is shooting. Yeah. Uh, he would take the same amount. But he probably, the difference is because he was 6'7, yeah. which most people don't realize, 6'8. Reggie's not a small guy. Mm. And he's playing a two guard position. And most guys at that position are only 6'4, six, 6'5. Six, he would just shoot over you, you know, and, and the, the depth that he shot it. And then his constant movement, oh my God, he would be, he would be a tough, tough cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he like Charles has a saying, you know, like if what would he do if he played it today? He said he'd be coming to the game in a spaceship because he makes so much money. Like <laughs> Reggie would be that guy. He would make so much money. He could have a spaceship to come to the to the games. <laughs> that is accurate. Well, <laughs> Kenny, we know uh, you're a busy man. Got a lot going on. Middle of the playoffs, and and also your outstanding new book out, Talk of Champions: Stories of the People Who Made Me. Kenny Smith, make sure you guys go and grab that book wherever you get your books. And uh, and Kenny, congratulations on the book. All your success and enjoy uh, the rest of these playoffs. We so appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate you, Kenny. Take care, Kenny. We'll see. I feel like it'd be a fun, it'd be really fun to just like observe that studio crew one day, man. Yeah, man, no doubt. And it's, you know, I watch that show so much. It's crazy when it's basketball season. My my TV ends up on Charmed every morning. Every, <laughs> every Wednesday and Friday yeah, morning yeah. during the playoffs, I'm watching Charmed at seven in the morning. So, oh, uh, so it funny. just goes to show you how much I watch that show. It's, it's hilarious. Oh, man, that is great. Well, you guys know the deal. New episodes every Thursday, bonus episodes as well. Make sure you continue to rate, review, subscribe, especially our YouTube page. If you're fans of the pod and you enjoy R2C2, cannot stress enough how impactful it is for you to go subscribe to our YouTube page, to give it a thumbs up, do that stuff. It makes a big impact for us to listen to the pod, to share it. All of that makes a huge impact for us. So thank you, guys. Love you. We appreciate you. And uh, we'll be back next week. Peace. Peace.